For more than a decade, FTI has strived to become the leader in the aftermarket, performance, transmission, and converter industry. We've joined forces with McLeod Driveline Components under the leadership of Top Fuel Funny Car Pilot Paul Lee and now have a larger distribution network, more resources, and more power. Come see us in the pits and ask how you can join the FTI family. It's not cheating. It is the competitive edge. It's time for an inside look at the most powerful motorsport on the planet. WFO Radio, NHRA Nitro. Hey, it's Antron Brown, driver of the Macro Tools Top Fuel Dragster. And yes, I'm a three-time world champ. But you know what? When I win, I go straight to WFO Radio, baby. I want to see you listening in. This is WFO Radio. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. WFO Radio is on the air. My name is Joe Costello, and I'm back from Orlando Speed World. The first race of the 2023 NHRA Drag Racing Series season, the Southeastern Division, was underway, and we had a great race Friday and Saturday. We finished up Saturday night like 9.30 or so. We crowned our winners. We'll talk all about it. It will be great. But what was also going on, there was testing going on in Gainesville, Florida. We'll talk a little bit about that. All kinds of news, breaking news, big news. It's Super Bowl week in the United States of America. All kinds of good stuff happening. We will break all that down with the voice of the National Hot Rod Association, Alan Reinhardt, who joins us each week right here on WFO. I'm excited we're getting closer and closer to the Emily Motor Oil NHRA Gator Nationals, and it is going to be great. So much news. Garlet's going to have a bunch of cars out there. Garlet's coming on the show in the coming weeks to talk about the International Drag Racing Hall of Fame. And I'm going to give somebody out there in the WFO universe an opportunity to win seats at the Garlets Hall of Fame. Say what? That's right. You got to listen for the next couple of weeks and check out the show and never miss a show and like write down every word that is spoken. That's an exaggeration, but we are going to give away a couple of seats to the Garlets Hall of Fame at the WFO radio table. All right, before we get to Alan Reinhardt, Cycle Drags, Jack Corpola is going to come on the show. Jack from Cycle Drag. His real first name is Jack and his middle name is From and his last name is Cycle Drag. He was up there at Gainesville Raceway. He'll be on the show, too. So we've got a lot of good stuff going on. Just want to make sure everybody knows. And on Thursday, Wednesday, we'll be off. That's uh, middle of the week. We're going to be off. I've got to go learn a little something about a Pontiac engine. Something from uh, a local, you know, everybody's got their local Svengali who knows about uh, that kind of stuff. My local guy, Charlie, is going to give me a bit of an education that I'm going to be able to put to good use on uh, our own Pontiac engine. Super exciting. Maybe it's something that I, that I don't know already. So I'm going to learn about that tomorrow. Maybe I'll post some social media. But the bottom line is we will be back on Thursday, 12 noon Eastern time with your five-time Pro Stock World Champion, Erica Enders, going to be joining us on the show for her World Championship interview. So you're not going to want to miss it. You're going to want to hear that. You're going to want to see that. You're going to want to be in the audience. You're going to want to ask questions of Erica, because it is going to be a great one. But first, let me tell you about the people who make it possible for me to go WFO. Bernie's Speed Shop. That's right, bernies.com in Ocala, Florida. Get get You got to take notes, guys. 
you got to take notes. Of course, you're sharing the show and you're alerting your friends that the show is on. But if you're going to Gainesville, you're definitely going to want to swing by the Bernie's open house the Wednesday before the Gator Nationals, starting approximately 6 p.m. Eastern. It'll be after the draw golf tournament. It'll be after all of that stuff, that testing that's happening on Wednesday. Bernie's and Josh Hart can have an open house. We're going to be up there, going to check out. I'm going to go. We're going to check out the 100,000 square foot facility. There's going to be music. He mentioned fireworks. He's going to have a fun time out there. So why would you not want to come out and hang out, check out Bernie's, it's down there in Ocala, Florida. Maybe you go hit Garlitz right before. Do a little Garlitz Museum, then do a little Bernie's Open House. That's all going on. So go to Bernie's.com to find out more information about everything that they do. And uh, it's going to be a big event, and I'm excited. Just part of the preseason hype for the Amelie Motor Oil NHRA Gator Nationals. Phillips Connect, I was having some conversations with the folks uh, out there at Orlando Speed World about Smart trailer technology. I know that does. How does that come up? And well, I was talking to someone who is in the trucking industry and we talked about all the sensors that are available, whether it's light detection, whether it's weight detection, whether it's brake stroke sensors, all the things to keep your trucks and trailers on the road safer, not just you and your drivers and loads, but the people all around them. Think of the uh, ounce of prevention worth a pound of cure aspect of Phillips Connected Smart Trailer Technology. So go to Phillips-Connect, and if you are interested, please email me, joe at wforadio.com, and I can get you up to speed and put you with the right people. Thanks to the folks at Phillips Connect. Welcome back, Phillips. Super excited. FTI Performance Transmissions and Torque Converters. These guys were on the side of nearly every race car out there in the .90 categories, top sportsman, top dragster, making that big power. Well, you need FTI performance transmissions and torque converters because they maintain the consistency but also handle the power it's as simple as that go to ftiperformance.com to find out more information great to see paul lee getting ramped up a little test coming very soon fog it this is a great product that i want everybody to know about fogging oil for your race car high performance racing engine it is part of your routine existence at the end of the day, when you put it away, you pull the coil wire, you spray inside the carburetor while rolling over the starter and you fog it down. What does it do? This seals the inside of the engine and protects it as well as is possible from the acids and the corrosion and the condensation that is happening. We were just in Orlando, Florida. You can imagine the humidity when you take a hot race car and put it inside a humid trailer and close it up for the night between 3 and 7 a.m., it is just pure humidity. What's going on in there? Wouldn't you like to protect that very highly and precisely honed cylinder wall? Of course you would. So go to fogit.com to find out more information. This should be ritual. It should be like I'm thinking of personal stuff like that a human goes through. You wake up in the morning. What do you do? You, whatever you do, I don't know. But brushing your teeth is a big part of it. Brushing your teeth. There's never a day where you get up and you're like, eh, I'm gonna, you know, I don't think I need it today. I don't think. And you can use that logic for a hundred other things. Fog it should be thought of like that. And for the price, it is so worth it. So go to fogit.com and uh, we'll be telling you more about that, doing some social media throughout the year. Total Seal Piston Rings. 
We just did a new episode of Hidden Horsepower. It will be out later this week. Lake Speed and Ben Strader from EFI University. If you would like your head to explode, you're definitely going to watch. That's a metaphor. Not really. Your head won't explode. We haven't figured that out just yet. But it is a great episode. It will be a video slash audio episode. So get ready to hit the podcast and all the social feeds, including the Total Seal YouTube page. But it's all an exercise. We're doing all this science. We're doing all this technology. It's all an exercise just to remind you that the next time you need an engine refresh, the folks at Total Seal can find you some horsepower. You didn't buy all that stuff to go slower. And if by choosing one ring over another, you're going to get great customer service, you're going to get a bunch of access to information, and you're going to get people that are willing to help you, why would you not? TotalSeal.com, their website has it all. You can even buy an individual ring. Like if you broke a ring, you can get a ring, TotalSeal.com. Later on in the show, I'll tell you about how to become a VIP supporter of WFO Radio. We've got a new episode of Hear It from Heiner. Pro Stock Crew Chief can answer questions about Pro Stock behind the scenes for our VIP audience. You'll learn about Marvin Rodax, coffeeandgrills.com later on in the show, Frank Hawley's Drag Racing School, and of course, the folks at samtech.edu. But right now, we're going to go out to Tucson, Arizona, where the voice of the NHRA, Alan Reinhardt, is ready to rock and roll. What's up, AR? How are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm glad that I am uh, back someplace where I can feel my toes and fingers again after being in Fort Worth for a couple of days. Oh, really? Yeah, those guys, um, I don't know what to say, but it's like once in a century ice storm again. Uh, what, what's, I know poor Marvin was frozen in there and he was frozen in roasting coffee. Um, but how did you navigate it? I know you're not a cold weather guy. No, uh, by staying inside as much as possible. That's, uh, that seemed like, <clears throat> seemed like the wise thing to do. It was, uh, it was actually pretty strange because I got off the airplane and went straight to the hotel and of course, no traffic, right? Icy roads, snow everywhere. And, you know, drive there a couple of times. I'm going 25 miles an hour and felt like I might be going too fast. And I get to the hotel and it's about noon. And I said, uh, hey, look, I realize I'm early, but, and the woman checks, and she says, no, I'm sorry, your room's not ready yet. And she says, probably about an hour or so. I said, okay, I'm going to get some lunch. I said, there's nowhere to go to get lunch. Chili's was closed. Wild Wings was closed. Um, Applebee's was closed. I mean, every place, it's like they freaking just closed the town up because it was 24 degrees or whatever it was and snow everywhere, so nobody went to work. So it, uh, anyway, I got, uh, I got done, uh, you know, I got a lot of things accomplished that I was trying to accomplish while I was down there. So we'll see how it all works out. We got celebrity Dawson Pauly is out there saying WFO out there in the audience. That is great. His attention in the pits last week went like gangbusters. This week's attention in the pits is Cooter Hidalgo, our stock eliminator world champion. So everybody needs to check that out. Yeah. Alan, Did you do that before or after? Before it was at Vegas. How much before? Not very much before. Okay. <laughs> But I was I was telling Nikki about it. I was like, you know, it would be great if we could do something like this for all of our world champs. But by the time we get to know who they are, it's really too late because everybody is gone and heading home. Think Bob Locke, right? Like that was the finals. He loaded up and went home. But with Jimmy Hidalgo Jr., we kind of had an idea that he had a really good chance. And so we went right. and did the attention in the pits. And, uh, you know, it looks good now that he's the world champ. People can check out the world championship car. It's a GTO. It's a Holden. All kinds of, uh, you know, sub niches that are interested in that car. Plus, he's a stock eliminator world champ. So I hope that one goes very, very well. But yes, before, but just barely. <laughs> 
just barely. I want to I want to double back on the snow and the ice, though. OK, and, and like, nope, everybody doesn't need to know this. My, my aunt lives in Utah. She took a slip and fall on the ice like dangerous stuff uh, here in, in South Florida. I know I am. I am soft. I am. I'm a softy. I cannot handle <laughs> that kind of life. Like I, I think about Warren Johnson. And you read Warren's book, I'm sure. He's there. They build like a snow cave to build engines in. He's hanging from like this thing and he's welding. Uh, like that is something that I can't relate to. And when people say, you know, these kids these days, they're getting softer. Um, not just these kids, man. Me. I could not do that life. Sorry. And if you do, I admire you. Wow, that's amazing because I can't relate. Well, I'm not married, but I've always believed that snow is a lot like in-laws. You should go to them. They should never come to you. And That is genius. I, I'm not married either, but that's a genius statement. Visit. The I snow. live in Arizona for a reason, because you never have to shovel heat out of your driveway. And I will trade the fact that in July and August, it's probably going to be too hot to ride a motorcycle or drive convertible. But in January and February, it's good weather for that. January and February is when I'm home. So... Uh, no, I'm, you know, hey, it, it, it takes all kinds. So I, uh, I salute the people that live through that and work, deal through that and do that every day. Uh, ain't me. I'm, uh, I'm very grateful to be down here. And that's why you never hear me whining about how hot it is, because I do not want to be cold. I don't care how hot it is. I don't want to be cold. I'm with you. I'm with you. But really, though, Alan, we love our audience and we don't ever want to lie to them. So we should tell everybody as many as we can possibly tell that it's terrible in South Florida, <laughs> also Arizona. And you definitely wouldn't want to live here. It's, it's horrible. It's a horrible place. You definitely don't want to come here. August. Oh my gosh. It's so hot. Like you could just drop dead from the heat. Don't come here. Well, that's why in August, you know, you go to Seattle, you go to uh, Sonoma, uh, you go to Brainerd and, you know, you get away from it for a little bit. So no problem. Exactly. Meanwhile, Seattle last year was the hottest heat that I've ever felt. Like the sun was like burning my brain. So uh, I'll start division two off and running great yeah. event down there at Orlando Speed World Dragway. The social aspect to me was the number one thing seeing all these Lucas oil series racers, the, the relationships that I've already created and everybody was super happy and, and made some new relationships, got to know people walking the lanes on the test and tune day on Thursday, Friday, we did get a, a rain shortened day. We only got one time run in. And then Saturday we started uh, bright and early. we got everybody a lick on Saturday morning. We finished up like nine 30 at night. Kevin Helms winning in super stock, Jeff Longany, Stock Eliminator, Doug Foley, two-seater, goes out there and wins in Super Comp over Frank Altilio, the second. Clint Riley. Wait a minute, wait a minute. He was, he was driving a two-seater? No. That's just oh. his nickname. It would be cool, though. That would be cool. He's coming He's coming up on you. Here he comes. Get him. But uh, Doug Foley did, did a great job, of course. Clint Riley, top dragster, top sportsman. Uh, Super Gas was Sherman Adcock right before his birthday. I'm still mad at Michelle for not saying it was his birthday the next day. Like hours later, it was birthday. I didn't get that note. That's bad on me. Uh, Wes Leopold supposedly won his first comp eliminator race. I didn't know that, that Wes had not won in comp. Crew guy told me, maybe it's not factual, but Wes had a fast, bad, fast hot rod, man. It was awesome. Um, and it was just, uh, it was great stuff. Will Craft and Juniors, great stuff. Had a great time and absolutely loved it. Robert Sellers in top sportsman with that crazy 59 Saratoga. Just a very successful event. We had some moments that were a little dicey, but we uh, we all pulled it out and it turned out all good. 
Awesome. Well, I'm glad you guys got that one completed. And now we're officially off and running. You know, we'll have somebody in the point lead. I wonder if there's anybody, I kind of doubt it, but I wonder if there's anybody that was there that will be in Phoenix next weekend because we've got a double divisional in Phoenix next weekend at Wild Horse. And uh, obviously after that, we uh, we head to Gainesville and then we start in earnest with the Camping World Series. Well, exactly. And there's a lot of Gator Nationals related news, but you you mentioned Phoenix. That's where you are. Let's 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 talk about that. Right. That's a final race we're going to have there, as I understand it. Okay, that I like that look. Honestly, I like to see that. I hope that's true. Uh, I don't know how we're promoting it if we're promoting it as like the final, but I fully intend to enjoy every second of the Arizona Nationals, a second race on the tour this year, just in case. Yeah, and I don't know. Um, I'm, you know, certainly not trying to start a rumor, but a year ago when they made the announcement, I was 99% sure that that was it that this would be the last year and they were done. It's a big highway construction project, uh, a large chunk of which was going to basically go right through the middle of uh, what is Wild Horse Pass, you know, the lake, the racetrack, the road courses the, that it was basically going to get mowed under by progress. That project now is not going to happen. So I don't know if that means the racetrack is saved or if that just means that the racetrack will fire, you know, find another fate. Um, I don't know that. But when they made the announcement, the first when they first made the announcement, you look at all the plans and this wasn't just like artist rendering. Right. This was like this is going to happen. Um, I said I was pretty sure that this would be it. Now, I'd say I'm only about 50 percent sure. So uh, if the growth doesn't overrun the place, then I hope they decide to go ahead and uh, and save and maintain and keep the racetrack. There's a you know, there's a lot of a lot of different people that rely on that. Uh, not just us, and obviously I'm biased towards the NHRA and towards the drag racing, but the drag boats have been going there. You know, Firebird Lake predates the drag strip by 10 or 15 years. And the the amount of road course testing that goes on out there, uh, you know, whether it's IndyCar, whether it's um, Formula Atlantic, whether it's because of the climate, there's stuff going out there all the time. You know, Bob Bondurant School was there for a million years, and now Radford is based there. So there are just a lot of people that rely on that piece of property on on that facility, not just NHRA. And so hopefully uh, this will mean that the the racetrack gets new life. I've uh, I've certainly got my fingers crossed. You tell me where or who or how I can help. And I want to be involved with saving that racetrack or just alerting somebody. Send, send me money. Cash. Cash money. To uh, it's not deductible. Okay. Um, I'm not sending out receipts, right? Uh, but if I can find somebody to bribe, then uh, great. And if I can't find somebody to bribe, um, I'll spend it on the CUDA. Hashtag one million pennies uh, to Alan Reinhardt. Send them. <laughs> Send them. <laughs> uh, but bottom line, hey, a million, right? a million pennies, a hundred grand, right? I don't even ten know. grand. Anyway, I'll, I'll take it. Send them. You can't even find pennies <clears throat> anymore. Like they're all in the couch. They're all just in the corners of the uh, the house. But let's hope, let's hope. Drag strips, people need to realize that they are a commodity now. There are few. And the things you can do there, producing television shows, for instance, commercials, driving courses, driving classes, teaching kids, just so many things. Hopefully the track operators will continue to become, um, you know, creative. And I will tell you that we have an update about Palm Beach International Raceway a couple of weeks ago 
maybe a month ago, someone asked me, Joe, what's the deal with that? And I was like, it's not looking good. And that actually turned out to be false. And so Madeline Marconi, who I think you've heard the name, she's the young lady who's been spearheading the Save PBIR fight against the warehouses battle. She's going to join us in the coming weeks on WFO. We tried to get her today, but she was working. She works in local government. And uh, they had a big fight last week, maybe the week before. And the we want to build warehouses site plan was, as I understand it, denied. And so now it's a different game, right? Like there's not going to be warehouses there. That's not something that they can do anymore. So what can they do with this racetrack facility? Well, you can't turn it into warehouses. It's surrounded by swampland that's protected. It's already a racetrack. It's zoned as a racetrack. If we could find a buyer or a group that wants to buy it, there is a chance that it could potentially stay a racetrack. Long shot, but since there's hope, I'm putting it out there. There's hope. Yeah, you know what? A baby step in the right direction is still a step in the right direction. So uh, I'll keep my fingers crossed and I'll keep watching that too. It's just, it's difficult, right? I mean, I understand the business decision. Um, I've I've always struggled with the urban sprawl deal, right? That I've been here for 50 years and then you can move in across the street and run me out of town because you don't want me here after I've just been here for 50 years. That has always kind of rubbed me the wrong way. But I understand the business aspect of it. If my land is worth a hundred times more than my racetrack is worth, I, I understand selling the land. But I also understand the other side of it, having been in the industry and been around for so long, the number of communities that get a little short-sighted, I think, and go, oh, well, it, you know, they're going to take down a racetrack, they're going to build a warehouse. Yeah. So what? You know, think of the tax revenue, right? Think of the jobs, think of the stuff. It's going to be, you know, it'll be good to have a... And then go, what are we going to do with all these street racers? What are we going to do with all these car people that are now causing problems? What are we going to do with all the stuff that's breaking out? Because we took away their playground. And I think that if there was more awareness about that, and some of the communities that have gone through it certainly understand. you know. And I think Denver, just in the pandemic, and this had nothing to do with the racetrack being gone. It was just the racetrack being closed, and they weren't allowed to be open. And then the pandemic of illegal street racing and things that broke out around there because people that have hot rod cars want to go drive them. And the whole community's up in arms about, you know, we got to do something, we got to do something, while the Bandemir family's going, hello, if you just let us unlock the gates, right? we can relieve some of this. Um, St. Louis was having the same issue when Worldwide Technology Raceway was closed because it's in Illinois, and Illinois was locked down. Well, okay, it's in Illinois, but it serves the St. Louis community. St. Louis is in Missouri, and they weren't locked down, but they were having a huge problem. And Chris Blair, as far as track operators, has been about as open-minded and as, what do we, let's try something here to get the street enthusiasts to come to the racetrack. I mean, I don't know that there's anybody in the country that's done more. There are a lot of others that have done some, but to get these kids or these young people or these old people or whoever the heck they are to come to the racetrack. And he's being told you can't open because you're in Illinois. And he's like, I'm a million miles from Chicago. If you're having a problem in Chicago, let me help St. Louis, um, but wasn't allowed to do it. And I think that those communities in particular now understand that the racetrack is not some nuisance on the edge of town where they make noise on Friday and Saturday. It is a huge asset for the community as just having a relief 
for these people to go do this. I mean, can you imagine what the kids would do if you just closed, you know, every park and every little league field and every, and then start complaining about, well, the kids are playing baseball on the street. Well, you close the field, right? I mean, there's people that have hot rod cars are going to want to drive them in that manner. And if you don't give them a place to do it, they're probably going to do it someplace where you don't want it. So right. hopefully the communities, so, I just wish the communities get together, right? If somebody goes, okay, we're going to build a warehouse here, then you need to tell them, okay, come up with a plan for what you're going to do to accommodate all the people that you're displacing. I mean, if they were spotted owls, right? You go, oh, you can't do that. You're ruining their, well, you're taking away the habitat of people that like hot rod cars. You need to at least put some consideration into what's their outlet going to be now. And if you don't have an answer for that, then don't be surprised when they end up on the street. Well, exactly. Um, but but the the overzealous uh, anti-motorsport uh, non-deep thinker <clears throat> would say, well, we'll just empower the police to take their cars. We'll just empower, uh, we'll, we'll do it with enforcement. But we have learned that that kind of stuff is very, very expensive and prohibition doesn't work. It doesn't work. You get people angry. They're going to do it anyway. Then all of a sudden you clog up the court system. You're taking people's cars like that is a failure. It's I think oh, it, it comes down to us, like what Antron did when Antron went to Capitol Hill. Like it's messaging. It's messaging all of that. I hate to say it. We don't talk politics. We, we you know, we, everybody hates it, but it's messaging. You have to say what's good, not what's bad. Community, learning to work, working with your hands, STEM technology, doing it in the right place, doing it the right way. All of these things are what come from motorsports. Everybody that's involved in motorsports, usually a successful business owner, usually building or making or hiring people right here in the United States of America, creating jobs. All of these things are things that we have on our side, which is why we're fighting this battle to win hearts and minds of people who they just don't know us. They don't get us. We are a fraction of like what football is, right? And football is even small compared to the greater world, right? They don't know what we are all about. And then like when Street Outlaws first started and it was like, we're in the streets and we're breaking the law and we're doing stuff and we're running from the cops. Why so many people felt like that was kind of counterproductive to what was good for the sport. And that's why when No Prep Kings brought it to the racetrack and it's like, no, we're doing it in a safe way. We're having a race. We've got a crowd. You can watch. It's not illegal. That was a better thing because it wasn't counterproductive. So it's just messaging and hopefully everybody gets on the same page and says what you just said. And we say it over and over again. And when they have a chance at their local elected official to tell them, Hey, this is a good thing, not a bad thing. Please support it. And I know that's what SEMA and PRI do are doing with the RPM act and save our Hopefully everybody has signed on with that. And, uh, but you need lawyers and you need lobbyists and you need people to, uh, to realize and acknowledge that this isn't just some, you know, back alley thing that's happening that it's a business it's an industry it creates jobs probably more jobs than uh other like industries uh here in the united states of america well you know it's an industry unto itself the the racing the aftermarket um parts suppliers you know whether you're talking about wheels whether you're talking about tires whether you're talking about hard parts whether you're talking about electronics whether you're talking all of that stuff is related to the industry but you've got to have an outlet and driving cars at a high rate of speed is not an illegal activity if you do it in the right place. But if you deny access to the place where you're allowed to do this, 
I don't see how you can be surprised that cars start getting driven in in, in an unsafe fashion in an illegal place if you don't have a place where it's allowed. And I just think that, you know, and again, I, I think racetracks, you know, so many of the racetracks have built their community relationship to the point that the communities want the racetrack. They understand the racetrack. They understand good about it. I think a big part of the problem is when the communities come in and overrun the racetrack and don't understand the good that that facility or that that business does, and then they run them out of town. So I don't know. We'll see. But I'll keep my fingers crossed for you, and uh, we'll follow along with Wild Horse. I don't know if we'll have any news by the time we get there. But uh, like I say, I feel uh, I feel a little less confident now that it's going to be that it's going to go away than what I did a year ago. Good, good deal. Mighty Mac mentions Bradenton. Bradenton, there's a plan for houses to go down. This is the downside of every person moving into the state of Florida for the weather is that uh, certain areas are are getting a lot of houses. They're going to build like 5,000 houses around. But from what I hear, there was a positive uh, positive story to that too. But let's not talk doom and gloom, right? Let's talk good stuff. Um, starting off with uh, you know some simple news. Uh, everyone has been asking about a fuel funny cars, right? We got one. There's one that exists. Mr. Mick Steele, the real deal. Mick Steele has got himself an A-Fuel funny car, sold his operation to Dean uh, Dubbin, and now he is going this way. And that is the first A-Fuel funny car that I have seen. And no, it's Steele, not. Oh, Randy Myers got one. I'm sorry, Randy Myers. But uh, this is this is one that I'm seeing right now. And so that means there's two. We could have match races at the very least. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see, uh, you know, what happens when he hits the track. And, and I don't know. I haven't heard anything about testing, about anything like that. Um, I know that Randy Meyer discovered when he was playing with his that it is a whole different ball ballgame uh, from the A-Fuel Dragster because he had obviously a lot of success with the Dragsters. And every time I know of that, they took the funny car out. Uh, I know they ran at a couple of chaos events and some other stuff in testing. Um, it just wasn't a, uh, let's just say it wasn't an easy transition. So. It'll be it'll be interesting to watch a learning curve, and it'll be interesting to see uh, who else jumps on the bandwagon. I will not be surprised if a Tony Bartone shows up with one at some point because he has been an injected nitro guy, um, you know, in the dragster side of things, and Steve Boggs is a very sharp injected nitro guy. Um, I don't have any inside information. I'm just saying I won't be surprised if one pops up that says Bartone on the side of it. That would be great. I would like it, Justin. A fuel was there a rule change in the alcohol funny car? Yes, there was, Justin. There was a there was change. It was heavily covered. You're not a weekly well, listener to WF. Welcome back to the planet. Yeah, come on, <clears throat> big, big news, big stuff. Other news just broke. Julie Natas and Hunter Green announced as the Randy Meyer Racing Team for 2023. They're both going to run schedules that give them an opportunity to win the championship. Very cool. Um, I'd, I'd be interested to see that schedule and then also to see uh, and hear if Randy's going to have some one-offs because I assume he will, right? Like he has in the past. If, if you know, what car's sitting idle someplace and somebody goes, uh, excuse me, I'd like to come in that weekend. Here's 10 bucks uh, that if Randy will, uh, will accommodate that, I assume he will because he always has and it's a great learning opportunity for him. Source uh, stories up on, uh, I saw it on Drag Illustrated. I got the press release in my email box and uh, read most of it. They give the details of the schedule, which is cool. JP Gutierrez out there says, blown is still cooler. <laughs> I agree. I mean, I, I, I like, there has to be supercharged alcohol cars that spool them up on the starting line 
and swap feet. Like there's gotta be like, that's just a sound that cannot yeah, go away I'm, from NHRA. I'm just afraid that that's going to go away too with the two-step rule coming back. I agree. I agree. I agree. Like that's just so cool. If everybody goes up, I don't know. We'll see. They got to stay competitive. I know. I know Ron Caps released an image of his new scheme, which I thought was pretty cool. And I just kind of robbed it from his social media. Uh, there you go. So the white that everybody was worried about or talking about very prominently featured on Caps car. And that's a good looking machine. I don't know who took the photograph. I apologize for not crediting the photographer, but uh, whoever it was, you know, we, we know the NHRA photogs is probably Mark or uh, probably Mark, Mark or Richard. Right. But with the reflection, that kind of feels rebellious. To me, I don't know. Richard, Richard's retired. Remember, he doesn't have cameras anymore. Yeah, um, I, I would not be surprised. You know, looking at that thing, that's a that's a nice wide white spot on the front quarter there that could very easily have the name of I don't know an oil company or an associate somebody or a something. Yeah, yeah, like a big vacant spot. Do you have, do you have an inside note, or are you just you just making stuff up? I've been I've been around this a while. I like that. Look at that. Reinhardt giving notes. That's why you got to click subscribe, guys. Like, we don't just blurt out stuff we're not supposed to blurt. But there's a hint. There's a breadcrumb. I believe that was a breadcrumb, Alan. You just kind of left a little trail <laughs> for the for the folks out there. Uh, pretty exciting. What else? Doug Foley. It's got Lance Larson, yeah. Glenn Husser. Glenn, who's been around for a long, long time, kind of made some appearances back out there. He's going to start off in Gainesville. He's going to run nine other races. And uh, he's got E3 spark plugs. Way to go, Doug Foley. They had a big week this week. He's announcing E3 and his crew chiefs. The kid wins in Super Comp at there in Orlando. Good weekend for the Foley fan. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, the performance of that car. You know, Lance Larson has been around for well, ever, I think. And Glenn, as you mentioned, a guy that's got a lot of inside knowledge. He might not be a household name, but he's a guy that has been around and been on a lot of really solid teams and, and sharp guys. So it'll be interesting to see... Uh, with the performance of that car, if they pick up, if they, you know, and if, you know, like everything, right. If you, if you hit Hainesville and it goes well, you got, I believe Charlotte four wide and it goes well, uh, then who knows, maybe they'll look at to expand. And as I understand it, E3 was added to Protex and the rest of the, the group that has been helping him. So, you know, extra funding is a good thing, no matter who you are. And E3, <clears throat> which is big NHRA sponsor, and they've been involved with us and I have, spoken with those guys from time to time, you know, the execs and the CEOs, they come out and it's like, how, you know, how's it going guys? Like, do you, 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 is this working for you? Those are the kind of questions that I'll ask. And they seem very positive. Obviously they're getting on board with Doug. I feel like that's the kind of company let's all remember the Phillips connect deal was a three race deal. And then they said, man, this is going really great. Let's expand. And then it turned into a three year deal. And so maybe E3 feels great about what's happening with Doug and the way he's representing them and they get some performance. That's the kind of thing where I feel like they could turn it up a little bit if they so choose. Well, you know, they've had an involvement involvement with NHRA uh, for a number of years, but I think that when you look at, you know, what NGK has done over the last couple of years and they're kind of expanding and making a bigger push, then if I'm a competing uh, if I'm a competing entity, I look at that and think, if this is working for them, then maybe I need to step up and, and get my brand out there with a little bit more brand recognition as well. So, you know, hey, I'll take uh, I'll take every sponsor, um, every sponsor battle we can get. Uh, it just makes it just makes it more fun to watch when, you know, you've got something else to root for. 
John Force Racing, uh, Mr. Teagues and Flavor Pack coming on board with Robert a little more. They got Cornwell a little more. Auto Club still on the car. Uh, good to see uh, Mr. Teagues feeling good about NHRA drag racing. I was kind of, I didn't finish, but I was going to do a search because I, I don't know if Flavor Pack is available in my grocery store, but I would like to support that. And that's something that I think every fan if they want to, they can go online somewhere and maybe order some up, right? It's not like a big ticket item. Everybody's got to get some frozen vegetables somewhere and uh, they are on board. So Robert is going to kind of have a new look here in 2023. Yeah. Robert's car is going to be changing uh, a little bit more regularly than it had. You know, they've always had AAA of Missouri when they were uh, in that area of the country. They've had AAA of Texas, obviously, when they were in that part of the country and the Auto Club of Southern California for most of the rest of it. But, you know, hey, things change. The the horizon changes, and I think it's good for John that they're able to expand a relationship with some of the sponsors that they had on a uh, on a smaller level um, that want to now step up and take a little bit bigger role, which obviously means that they've been seeing some return on investment. You know, that, that I think about, and we're in this process of growing the sport. The sport is growing. Scott's out there, and he he says something that I agree with, that the excitement of a new season seems to be more prevalent than ever. I agree with that. I know we always get excited, and uh, typically, I don't know if this would be Winter Nationals weekend or or what, but we're waiting till March, so the, we're really getting amped up for excitement. NASCAR was back this past weekend. We got the Super Bowl this weekend. We will be making picks. Then the Daytona 500, and then we'll still have some more time, and then finally we get going in March. But there are a lot of companies that still have yet to be exposed <laughs> to what NHRA drag racing is. The broadcast is going to be on the big Fox network in March. Everybody in South Florida should be campaigning to WSVN seven Fox in South Florida to make sure that they air the race. They, because sometimes they don't just a little side note, but the chance to be on Robert Heights car is pretty much a guarantee at a lot of television time that I just have to think is going to be in excess of what you would be spending for equivalent attention for straight TV time. You know, to be involved with Robert, like how many did he win last year? How many too fresh, too fast, too tasty uh, events is he going to be in? All he's got to do is go to the semifinals. Like Robert Height is a sure win for TV time. Yeah, and I think that's part of the, you know, the the too fast challenge, the mission food steal that maybe a lot of people overlooked is that that is now guaranteed more TV time. Because if you're part of that, it's going to be part of the qualifying show. And as anybody knows that watches regularly, a lot of times if the qualifying show is condensed a little bit, depending on what the time window is and what you have to deal with, you don't necessarily see every run down the racetrack, right? And if you go out there and you puff the tires and you're saying, okay, they go, well, you know, Joe stays in the number three spot, but you don't see the run. But that mission challenge now is going to guarantee that if you are one of those four cars, you're going to get more TV time. And I think that that could be a big selling point for somebody like Robert, Obviously, like Ron, like Matt, like the, you know, the, the usual suspects that are in the final four. And it's also going to be a bonus for somebody, you know, that gets to the final four occasionally, because now you've got that opportunity to showcase a little extra next week and, uh, you know, a little adamant in it. And I'm, you know, I'm 100% for it. I think that's one of the, the, the real upsides of this program. You know, I know a lot of people did kind of an eye roll about, the, you know, 
it's Saturday, it's qualifying, nobody cares. You know, they do now. When you put cash up there and you put a guaranteed shot to get a little more TV time, they definitely care a little bit more now than they used to. So I think that uh, I think it's good all the way around. And world championship points after after the cutoff. Like, that's the thing. Uh, I haven't gone back and done the math, but we it was pretty easy last year. Three points. Three points could have been acquired in a lot of different spots over the course of that uh, Too Fast, Too Tasty Mission Foods deal. And it could have totally changed the outcome. Like the whole top 10 could have been slightly different, including the championship based on Saturday results. Maybe some purists are not into that. I think it's cool. And, you know, those are the rules. So get ready. You might not like it, but you better learn to love it because it's the best thing going today. Woo! <laughs> well, I, you know, let's watch it play out before you hate it. Right. I mean, and. I think anytime you've got a chance to dangle the carrot out in front of competitive people, they are going to put more effort into it. You know, how many Saturdays did we go out there Saturday morning and watch everybody smoke the tires? Because, well, you know, we need to find out where the edge is or we need to, you know, and this run doesn't really matter and it doesn't count. It doesn't, we don't really care that much. Well, now guaranteed those four are going to care a whole lot more than they did last year. As simple as that about Saturday. Like there's, there's an incentive. You, we're always trying to incentivize, incentivize fans to come to the track, incentivize people to go out and work hard. They are now incentivized. There is money and there are points go win. And all oh, the back-to-back -back weekly rivalries, like you just got your butt kicked by someone and now you got to race them again. You probably don't want to get your butt kicked again. And if you do, it's going to hurt. You can't just like brush it off. No big deal. Hey, you just whooped me twice in back-to-back -back weeks on TV. I feel great about it. That's not how it's going to go. So very, very exciting. Very interesting. Uh, let's see. Um, Eddie out there, our buddy from Garofalo's, what do you think of the later start? Better for the sport? Question mark. You go first, Alan. I, I actually would like to see us start a little earlier if we can, but I understand the reasoning behind it. And, you know, I think that the quicker we get on track once NFL goes away, because, you know, Sunday afternoon, there are going to be a whole lot of people sitting there with a remote in your hand going, there's no football. And being able to jump and get involved in that, I think would be good for us. But I understand the logistics. I understand what we're doing. You know, in, in Alan's little fantasy world, <clears throat> and especially with the Fox connection, I would love, love, love for the Winter Nationals and the Daytona 500 to be on the same day. I mean, picture that as an afternoon of television, right? And they're three hours later back there. So they start the Daytona 500 at whatever, 2.30 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon, run into prime time, and then hand on, off to us out in California. And that would be, you know, professional racing, boom, firing off right behind uh, NFL's closing event. So um, in, in Alan's little fantasy world, I'd love to see that. Is it possible or feasible? Who knows? We had that, I think, in 2010, if memory serves me right, because I went out to Pomona and Force One. And I'm, I remember that, uh, you know, Dale Jr. did something well. And I mentioned Dale Jr. And he totally thought... Uh, he misinterpreted my question and then it became what's a question. And I just, it burned on my brain because it was like an epic fail question uh, with John. But, um, but then you lose all your media, right? Like, cause they're all in Daytona. They, everybody that covers motorsports goes there instead of us. Uh, I like it. I like starting on the East coast. 
I like getting away from the Bush light clash at the Los Angeles Coliseum, which I thought was a good race. And it was a made for television event really is what it was a spectacle for TV. I wish we had some sort of something like that, like a spectacle for TV open something introduction to the season. Maybe, I don't know. Um, but the, the intensity that's building when we go to Gainesville, it's going to be the biggest season opening race that we've ever had. I'm, I'm saying it like that. I have no evidence to back it up. Pomona is never that great because we just had the finals and everybody in the market just went through the holidays and they just saw this compete for a championship. You get your super diehard drag racing fans that come out and it's a good crowd in Gainesville. It's going to be a mass attack. Like we're going to have everybody that loves drag racing is going to be there. Pro mod, pro stock motorcycle, every category, every, everything in March, they're going to be chomping at the bit to go drag racing in Gainesville East coast opener. I think it's going to be the biggest season opener that we've ever had in, in, you know, the last this century. How about that? I'll say it to cover my butt. Yeah, I mean, that's possible. I, I kind of agree and disagree. I, I like the tradition of Southern California. I like going out there to start, going back there to finish. Again, I understand log logistics. One thing that I really do like is, as you just pointed out, that everybody's going to be there, right? It's not like, okay, well, some of us are starting here, and then some of us are going to Phoenix, and then we'll go to Gainesville where everybody gets to pile on. I do like the fact that at the first race of the season, we're going to have the pro mods. We're going to have factory stock showdown. We're going to have the motorcycles. We're going to, everybody's going to be on track. I think that's definitely a big hit. Absolutely. Michael Heiner <laughs> is out there. Michael and I are going to do hear it from Heiner later today for the Patreon VIP audience that anybody can really join if you want. Uh, he's got a bunch of questions stacked up. That's going to be cool. Pro stock testing is going to be ongoing. Is there anything else that we didn't cover that you'd like to cover on this edition? And you can give us a CUDA update as well, because everybody in the chat, they don't care about any of this stuff we're talking about. They want to know what's up with the CUDA. Well, there is no CUDA update uh, because I was in Fort Worth last week. Uh, didn't didn't have any time. There is, however, a Hemi update, and I'm kind of embarrassed to admit that I didn't realize this sooner. But when I was doing the measurements and checking everything out to order the pistons for the engine, uh, I realized it's got a stroker crank in it. So it's not a 426-inch Hemi. It's a 490-inch Hemi. And uh, this thing was, uh, you know, the obviously the engine that was in the funny car at some point in its life had been a pretty serious race engine because nobody goes out and buys a stroker crank for one that's just going to idle around. Um, so that's, uh, you know, kind of exciting news on the Hemi front. Uh, nothing really on the CUDA front, but uh, it's uh, it's coming. I got time. Good. Good deal. I can report the Project Pontiac uh, has arrived at Stinnett's Automotive in Kansas, and the crate that I built survived. So I feel great about my uh, carpenter workmanship. And uh, they have they have taken in all the inventory and they are looking at it and uh, I'll be there in a couple of weeks, which is exciting. And so uh, the projects inch along. That's like another little, you know, inch along. So you're, gonna, you're actually going to go out and visit it? Well, as luck would have it, Alan, I will be hosting the Division five banquet. Next ah. week. Yes, as luck would have it. And so I'm going to take like a little spin over to Gary's and uh, check out Stinnett's and learn a little bit more about Foggit and do some social media and uh, and also check it out. And, you know, you should save yourself some money on a rental car and just tell Gary you want to borrow his Camaro. I'm sure he's not using it. OK, I'll ask Gary. Hey, Gary, 
Can I borrow? He's out there. He listens to WFO from time to time in the background of the shop. Like, hey, Camaro, what kind of Camaro does he have? What, the race car, the super streeter? What are you talking about? No, 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 not a race. He's got a, he's got a Camaro street car. It's just, you know, your basic little. Just I can tell. Another breadcrumb, guys. Ask him, another, ask him if you can borrow the Camaro. Another breadcrumb. Now, I, I, I get stressed from borrowing people's stuff. Right. I get stressed out like, uh, gosh, gosh, forbid uh, a meteorite falls down on my head while I'm driving. It's my fault. And I, I don't borrow things I can't afford to replace. Yeah, but you'll be dead. So you won't care. Uh, you should also ask him if there's going to be a slot car race while you're there, because if there is, you don't want to miss out on that. OK, good notes. All good notes. Alan, great job as usual. Uh, we'll see you next week. Obviously, as where's we get Jack? I thought we were going to hear from Jack. Oh, did you want to come? I can bring him on right now. Did you want to participate in the Jack Q&A? Like, I didn't know if you wanted to do that. You are totally welcome to. He was at testing. We could grill. No, we were kicking back. We were kicking back some notes and some stuff. And uh, there, there he is. He is. Hello, Hello, gentlemen. Well, thank you so much, Alan. I didn't think I was going to get to interact with you, but uh, always a pleasure to see the legend in Tucson, Arizona. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let me tell you note. something. See how many people are here? I'm not even famous in this building. That's how big a legend I am. Let me ride that, that chopper. He's got one bad chopper in that building. And we were there, Jack. We were there on the same day. That's the crazy thing. I uh, came in, did uh, after Arizona last year. I went to Allen's. I saw the shop. He gave me a ride in the Mustang. It was great, super fun. I got to go down that street with all the old school neon signs. Really cool. Got a great vibe out of Tucson. Uh, I looked at the motorcycles, and then it was time for me to go, right? So I blazed out of there. You must have rolled in within a couple of hours, and uh, same deal. How, how crazy is that? Yeah, we never got an explanation on that one, Alan. Joe was a little perplexed as to why you did not announce that he was there right before me. Yes, why did you not announce that, Alan? <laughs> <laughs> well, because everybody saw him here already. We did the WFO thing from here, and so everybody had already seen that. I figured that was old news. That's a good point. Well, regardless, regardless, I got to see, I got to see the shop and I saw Jack riding on the, uh, the choppers, which there's zero chance of me doing. And so, uh, I did get a ride in the Mustang, which was super cool, but Hey, let's, uh, let's move forward. Alan Jack was in Gainesville. There was mm -hmm. some Metro cars. There were pro stock motorcycles. There was all kinds of stuff going on. So let's just let Jack give a report and then, uh, we'll pepper him with questions. Take it away. My report would take hours. I'll just go topic by topic because I was so thrilled. I was so excited. I wish I could have brought you guys with me. It was Shangri-La. I'm still the Pittsburgh kid that is used to not being outside till Easter. So to be in Gainesville with a beautiful day and Antron Brown there and almost all the pro stock motorcycle racers there was a thrill. I think the big headline here for the pro stock motorcycle class is this is going to be one of the most interesting and transformative years that we've ever seen. There's so many changes. There's so many new riders. There's a brand new Gen 3 Hayabusa body by Vance and Hines, which is just groundbreaking. And we've also got billet cases, which is something that racers have been asking for for a long time because they were still using Suzuki GS cases from the 80s that are drying up because so many of them have been blown up at the drag strip over the years that now Vance and Hines has come out with this this universal engine and Eddie was telling me it's 91 hours to machine a set of these cases. But of course you got that. And then you got Matt Smith over there looking to make history. No pro stock motorcycle racer has ever reached seven championships. And that's his goal this year. And guess what guys, he wants to do it on a Suzuki. So it should be interesting how, to see. How did the Suzuki run? How did Matt Suzuki run comparatively speaking? 
Matt went a 674 on the Suzuki. Then he rolls out this brand new Buell, which I believe is Scotty Polachek's old chassis with a new body, max ECU update, and he goes 669. So I start scratching my head and I'm thinking, does he really wanna, does he really wanna <laughs> win on a Suzuki? But uh, nonetheless, he's gonna have both at his disposal. This is a question I have for you guys too that I wonder, correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding of the role where you can switch vehicles is primarily for if John Force, Brittany Force goes out there and destroys a car, they can roll out a backup car. Well, Matt Smith, I mean, ingenious by him after years of complaining about the roles, he said, I'll just own both makes. And we've seen him if he enters one and it's not where he wants it to be, he can just go to the Suzuki or vice versa. I mean, do you guys think that role will stay in place? Do you think that's what that Rules I, I, I don't I don't believe that it needs to be changed. I, I hope it stays in place. And if you got the wherewithal to do it, uh, the rule originally, it was known as the Eddie Hill rule. If you tore up a car in qualifying, you could bring out a backup car uh, for race day. But once race day started, you couldn't change. When we got into the NHRA on Fox era where there was going to be so much live television, then the question came up. If you are going, and NHRA went to the teams and said, hey, there's going to be times when you're going to have to do really fast turnarounds. And the question became, if we hurt something and it would be quicker and easier to bring out a backup car, would you rather have that or would you rather have somebody take a solo in the final round simply because there wasn't enough time? And so at that point, the rule became you can make the change on race day if you want to. And it originally was intended for that. Well, then you end in a gray area, okay? If you make a run and you come back and you say, I don't feel safe on that, is NHRA going to force you to run it? Because, well, you know, it didn't look like that big a crash. It didn't look like. So at that point, they said, we're getting out of this. You're allowed to change one time during the course of the weekend, one time only, and you can't change back. If you come out the first run on um, car A, and go, you know what, that thing's not doing what it's supposed to do, bring out car B, and you crash car B, you're done, unless you can fix car B. So you're allowed to make one change at any point during the event, and I hope that doesn't change. I like, uh, you know, did Matt take advantage of the rule? Absolutely he did. But did he do something that nobody else was allowed to do? No, anybody could do it if they wanted to. Right. Yeah, I like the rule. I hope it stays in existence as well because it helps the show. Right, but here's one advantage that Matt has is remember, Vance and Hines has had a stronghold on this category for many years, but now they also have factory Suzuki support. So they can't roll out a V-twin. And Matt is just such a hard worker. He's told me he's already made 130 dyno pulls over the winter. I think you give him both combinations. I think uh, anybody who dethrones Matt is really gonna have to earn it. I think it would be very interesting I'm sorry, Joe. I think it would be very interesting to see if Matt has success on the Suzuki and ends up getting even peripheral factory support, would that then exclude him from the Buell or would he just not take it? Yeah, that's interesting. I don't think any factory support is going to be okay with you going over to another brand. You know, I don't think we're going to be able to see Eli Tomac out there on the Supercross track switching to Honda next week. So it's a really unique situation. And and like I said, I, I give Matt credit. Like everyone says, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. He is the son of Tricky Ricky, and he figured this thing out.
We are planning on having Matt on in the next couple of weeks. He has yet to do his championship interview. These are questions that we will put to him in that moment. And, you know, he'll have his coy answers uh, for the whole deal. But uh, bottom line, I think if you are capable of doing that and maintaining two totally different combinations at the highest of levels, then good on you. Right. Like you got two combinations. Most people don't have the budget for one. Matt's going out there and doing it with two and switching back and forth. I think it adds color. I think it adds color. And I don't think anybody should should complain about it necessarily. Who else ran well? I know you mentioned that Matt was in the 660s. Uh, I think Gage was in the 660s. So we had a couple of 660 runs. So that's good and exciting. Uh, to see who else was a standout, Jack, someone who uh, they maybe didn't run in the 660s necessarily, but they ran well for them and showed promise. What a what a pick by Vance and Hines with with Gage Herrera, just an absolute gamer comes from the pro street category. Cool as a cucumber. He went a 669 on the Suzuki. So Alan will like this because Alan did a great interview with me last year at his shop where we talked about, you know, a Suzuki piston. You got about four of these. And you got about two of these. So NHRA has done a great job maintaining parity, despite some complaints. Hey, it's never going to be perfect. But a Suzuki goes 669. A V-Twin goes 669. I think all things considered, we're pretty even. Um, some other individuals to watch, Chase Van Zant, who became one of the best 460 racers around. Comes from a racing pedigree. He's on Jerry Savoie's TL1000. And he put down some pretty nice laps. Uh, we also saw Angie put down some, some pretty nice laps. Flying Ryan Ayler is improving. Joe, you would have loved it. He was testing at Showtime the other day, working on 60 foot. Now, the problem when you test at Showtime is he stayed in it a little bit too long and ended up next to a dump truck down at the far end by the highway because there was construction <laughs> going on. The guy was like eating his lunch and opened up the door and saying, what's going on here? So Ryan enjoyed being able to stay in the throttle a little longer at one of the longest tracks in the country, Gainesville. But uh, they were definitely flying, and uh, who else was out there? Steve Johnson was there on the first day, and he, he was having trouble blowing the tire away, made a couple solid hits otherwise, and Gianna continues to improve. So I, I think you got a lot of racers this year who are going to be a threat to win, and even some of the individuals that weren't there. You know, I still I talked to Angel, and uh, she's hoping it's not over for her. She's hoping she can secure a ride. And there have been rumblings that maybe somebody will give her an opportunity. I'd love to see that. I, I, I fired off a text to Angel and she's like, nothing yet, but working on it. Her legendary status, her marketability, the fact that they're in pro stock motorcycle. And so it's not like you're trying to find $3 million. It's uh, it's, you know, budget conscious, relatively speaking, someone's got to step up and give Angel an opportunity to go out there and uh, you know, not go out like that, right? In a way that she didn't feel was representative of her abilities. Uh, I hope that that happens. And I think uh, I think it could, it will. Somebody's just smart out there, smart marketer. You mentioned that Chase Van Sant was a, uh, a, a college, a collegiate sprinter. Is that true? I did not know about that. I think it was Northern Illinois. And, you know, he, he just comes from this, this pedigree between being a collegiate athlete and then coming out of junior dragsters which is a common thread I see everywhere. I watch kids go right onto drag bikes and win races because they came out of juniors. I think sometimes we don't emphasize just how important that is. It teaches you how to drive the finish line, how to cut a light, know the sport inside and out. So Chase was a standout junior dragster racer and then immediately transitioned over into 460. And 
if you guys aren't aware, 460 is kind of becoming pro stock light. It's a little bit of a farm system or a feeder system. It's very similar. It's an eighth mile index category, which has just exploded in popularity. There's about, I don't know, about 50, 60 bikes in the country. So it's definitely one of the most well attended categories. Who do you think is, is faster on their feet? Chase Anzant or Antron Brown? Because he is also a sprinter. Like we got two, you know, maybe that's something that we need to see this year somewhere. We should have set that up, you know, no disrespect to the great Antron. I got to admit, maybe father time has caught up with him just a little bit, but he, I, when I was interviewing Antron, he still looks like he's in amazing shape. And I just want to say, AB, if you're out there, it was Jack who said that. I, I did not say it. I just want <laughs> to see the race. I just want to see the race, Antron. You're a sprinter. He's a sprinter. Pro stock motorcycle background. Like, shouldn't we see that somewhere guys? Doesn't that have to happen somewhere? That should have been what I covered. And, you know, speaking of AB, it was great to catch up with him because um, I started asking him about his program and he knows me being cycle drag. Immediately, we start talking about Dave Schultz. To this day, the late, great Dave Schultz uh, is one of his biggest mentors. Says he taught him it was all about the details. And I, I uncovered a great clip on cycle drag uh, the other day where Antron actually goes out and gets his first win against Paul Gass, who was an AMA Pro Star fan. Dave gives him a big hug and says, that was the first, but it won't be the last. Wow. And I was like, wow, Dave, Dave sure was right with that. Yeah. Dave Schultz was a, was a force to be reckoned with. I'm very fortunate that I got to be around in the, in the era when basically he and John Myers were the two that were ruling the roost out there and fun to watch. And as you said, good, interesting guy to learn from when he and Greg Cope rolled a bike out of the trailer and took it up to the starting line, there was never going to be a, gee, did we check this? Are you sure about that is the thing where it needs to be. Uh, he was he was a perfectionist in a class that at the time didn't really have a lot of them. And I don't mean any disrespect, but anybody that was around back then would know that. Yeah, Dave comes from that certain era. I, I see similarities with Larry Spider-Man McBride, with George Bryce. I tell all these guys, I've never seen a motorcycle of yours that isn't perfect. I've never seen something in primer. I've never seen leathers that don't match. That is the old school way of, of Dave Schultz and, and all these disciples that have followed him. And it's just truly amazing. And it was pretty cool to hear Antron after all these years. I mean, we, we lost Dave in 2001. That's how long he's been gone. And Antron to this day said he still thinks about Dave Schultz every single time he gets to the races. Well, the video you put out with the interview with AB, and I, I shared it on, on Twitter, guys. So if you didn't see it, which I highly doubt you didn't see it, but if you didn't take the time to watch the full thing, spend uh, spend the time because it's very fun. But AB talking about, like, if you're going to ride, Dave says, if you're going to ride one of these things, you have to know how to put it all together. Like, that's mandatory. And that's just back to what we were talking about early in the show, Alan, about the values that come from being a drag racer. That right there. You can trace that to why Antron went on to be a champion and why he's now becoming a successful team owner. You have to know about it and how to put it together, whatever it happens to be, championship racing team or pro stock motorcycle, if you're going to be successful. And it was just uh, the light bulb went off when I saw that clip. Yeah, very few people, I don't care what you do, very few people are tremendously successful accidentally. You have to understand what you're getting into. You have to understand what's important, what needs attention and what doesn't. And you have to spend your time working on the important things. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's business. It doesn't matter if it's racing. It doesn't matter what you're doing. You have to pay attention to the stuff that's important. 
And I think one of my, you know, favorite, I don't know, proverbs thing that's the most important thing is to make sure the most important thing is the most important thing. Simple as that. Love it. Well said. Yeah, well said. Well said. All right, so we get some news coming in here, guys. I'm going to hit you with it. Like John is out there, and he says, if we watch the Fox broadcast of NASCAR this week, Chris Myers said that Tony Stewart was going to race top fuel in 2023, and Tony didn't, like, deny it. He said they would be making an announcement in a couple of weeks. I have no doubt that Chris Myers did that on purpose to scoop the rest of the world and throw Tony under the bus a little bit. But since he supposedly said it, according to John, I think that would be pretty cool. What about you, Jack, first? Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you. I'm with you 100%. I mean, I I think that'd be awesome. I hope he races Leah round one. Oh, man. <laughs> or the final, right? Like uh, nope. Round one. Oh, man. That would be great. Uh, he did a great job in the booth, by the way. Very in insightful stuff. What about uh, what was I, I think I saw Justin Ashley was there as well. Any updates on those guys and what were they uh, working on? I noticed a story on Competition Plus, which was kind of interesting that Brian Karate is pre-mixing all his nitro. That's kind of an interesting deal to free up AB, who is the official nitro mixer of that team. Um, some some interesting changes going on. Anything else that you noticed out there, Jack? It seemed like, you know, who knows what was going on in testing. So don't want to criticize anybody at all. Who knows what they were trying, but they were really blowing the tires off. Every time I saw that car come up to the starting line, it was smoking the tires pretty hard. And uh, I know Kurt Johnson was there, the track specialist. So he was really helping to get a grip on the surface. But uh, it seems like they just had some problems hooking up. Excellent. All right. Before we let you go, you know, you put out a video and I shared it and I watched it and I enjoyed it. And it was like 99% great. And then there was Gianna Salinas attempting to predict the Super Bowl, <laughs> which was fun and funny. And Gianna, you're out there. I thought it was so cute, but you definitely put her in an uncomfortable position uh, to, you know, to pick the score of the game. Uh, so I think this is a perfect transition to each of us making our Super Bowl pick because it is Super Bowl week. And once the Super Bowl happens, then we can focus solely on racing. Jack, since you're our guest, why don't you go first? Give us a little insight into uh, the game and maybe a score. Absolutely. Yeah, Gianna, I, I kept pressing her because I know she's so intelligent. I know eventually she would give me an answer, but it was hilarious that she handled all the hard questions. I thought that one would be the easiest one. And we took about three minutes to get there, but she did do better than Gage Herrera who learned Real quick, don't repeat everything Eddie Krawick says because Gage's prediction was a 7-7 <laughs> tie, and that is what Eddie Krawick told him to say. So they kind of <laughs> set him up for that one. Uh, myself, mm, sorry, A.B., I believe Kansas City is the better team. I think the only reason people are picking Philly is because Patrick Mahomes is hurt. I say this, you give Patrick Mahomes two weeks of the absolute best physical therapy and all the professionals and God knows what else, I think they'll be ready to go. I like the Chiefs in a close one. I'm saying 28-24 Kansas City. Very nice, very nice. Just a quick reminder, though, you guys mentioned Troy Vincent in the video, and Troy Vincent was a Miami Dolphin, guys. He played for Don Shula. That is the, that's the lion's share of his great career. Uh, the Eagles, of course, notwithstanding, but come on, when you play for Don Shula and, you, and you're, you're on that team, come on, you're, you're, you're a Dolphin, or at least we very much love him down here as well. All right, so wait, let me write this down. You said 28-24 for the Chefs. Yes. 
Copy that. Did you know that the chef's reference is from a 1997 Snickers commercial? That's how old the chef's reference is. I can't believe that I'm still using it, but I'm still using it. All right, Alan Reinhardt, your game debrief. Or Philly by 10. Philly by 10. Well, which 10? Is it 10 to nothing? Is it 20 to 10? Is it 30 to 20? Give us a score. I'm not betting the over under Philly by 10. Okay. All right. Philly by 10. Philly is going to just take it to him. Uh, okay. I think it's going to be a wild, crazy shootout as well. Uh, I, I got, I'm going with Philly, something like 34, 31, a couple of field goals, some touchdowns, all that. But I feel like it's going to be wild based on what we saw in, uh, in the championship games. I agree with Patrick Mahomes. It will be, um, they're going to be slinging it, right? But I think Philly is just more physical, a tougher team. And so I'm going to go with Philadelphia. I like the Chiefs too. You know, me and Casey Wolf were buddies. Uh, I haven't told him about this just yet, but I'm going to take the Eagles <laughs> in this one and uh, the Eagles are going to win. And then the, the Philadelphians uh, will destroy all their bus uh, bus uh, things where you sit for wait for the bus. I don't know if you saw them, but they all got on top of it. They crushed it and they climb up the poles and they got to grease the poles so that nobody climbs up the poles. So it's going to be a wild night in Philly Sunday night. Just batting down the hatches, guys. Watch out. So Reinhardt takes Philly. Jack takes KC. Joe takes Philly. And there are our Super Bowl picks. That's great. Good job. Good job. Anything else, Jack? Anything else you want to put out there? Uh, Promote, mention as we get ready for NHRA 2023. Yes, three things uh, I would be remiss if I didn't mention to fans that you got the Spider-Man, Larry McBride, and Dave Vantine coming back to Topeka and uh, Chicago this year. Maybe one more. We've been in communication with Ned. We know that it'll be two bikes. Could possibly be more. That's going through Larry McBride right now. He's just making sure whoever we invite is thoroughly tested and they're ready to put their best foot forward to put on a good show. So make sure you guys stay tuned for that. If you get a chance, please check out my video on Cycle Drag YouTube. And the biggest, most important thing is, Joe, did I miss your birthday? And are you really 50? Because I, I no, here's what I got to say. Oh, boy. Here you should be go. selling a Vitality product because right now Cycle Drag wants to anoint you the ageless wonder champion <laughs> because I cannot believe you are 50 years old. I can't. I mean, honestly, I would have guessed you were in your mid-30s. I thought I just hit 4-0, and I thought I was over the hill. And I'm thinking, what an inspiration. Joe's still doing this. He's 10 years older than me. So right, happy birthday. Listen, Jack, thank you. First of all, that was so kind and nice of you. Uh, and you're putting the pressure on me. And so now I'm going to reveal the truth. Jack's right, guys. I'm actually 34. And so we're just going to go with that from here on out. Joe is 34. And thank you, Jack, for recognizing you've called me out in front of the world. And now I must uh, I must own up to it. You're right. I am in my mid 30s. Well, you know, I need some fatherly sage advice from you two great announcers, too, because I did two hundred one thousand miles in the air last year. And I always tell myself one of these days I'm going to settle down, have a family, have kids, have a wife. That just doesn't seem to be happening. Do, do we just slowly morph into Alan and become super cool and have garages and cool cars and is that what happens or do we eventually have to settle down and come off the road? Boy, that was a hell of a save. <laughs> I got to, I got to tell you, I was morph into Alan, right? Like that's what I worry about every day. Like, Oh my gosh, but it's not that bad. Reinhardt's got, I'm, 80, I'm 86. How do I look? Tremendous. It's the desert, the desert, you know, it's very dry out there. Absolutely. Yeah. Interesting. 
Interesting. Uh, I think we do. We slowly morph into uh, into Alan Reinhardt over the years, which isn't so terrible, honestly. Uh, no. Alan has a very great life that he loves uh, tremendously, and he's got toys and fun and friends, and he's out there hobnobbing with celebrities and going wherever he wants to go and every second of the day. Uh, so it, it has its moments. It's it's got to have its moments. So there are. I'm going to do the South Florida version of it, though. He's like desert dweller. I'm kind of around the water and the beaches and all of that stuff, but I'll do my own version of that. But yeah, Jack, it is, it is what it is. What'd you say? You're 40? 40. Yeah. 40. 40. Did you so, say you did all those miles in the air? I didn't think you even knew what an airplane was. <laughs> yeah. Well, last year I drove cross country, California to Florida. I had to come down and be closer to Joe, but a lot of these races, I just have time to get in and out. Just went to the Mecham auction in Las Vegas. That was a heck of a show. 73 Z1900 was supposed to go for 25,000. Went for, $50,000. How about that? Absolutely crazy. But, but yeah, I just find myself never slowing down. And Alan's such an inspiration. I know I've watched him for all those years behind the great Dave McClellan and, and Bob Fry and all these guys and working his way up. And then sitting with Alan last year in the shop, I'm like, man, this guy is so cool. This is the ultimate boys club. He's showing me his refrigerator where the beer is the perfect temperature, cars, bikes, and I'm thinking, I mean, is this the other way to go? Just never, never settle down and be Alan Reimer. That's it. It's the great debate. The great <laughs> debate will rage. It's, what it's is great. the right thing to do? It's our great life? to be Alan Reinhardt. Yes. Do we become Alan Reinhardt or do we like go help uh, orphan children? I don't know. We're good. We don't have to decide today, though, gentlemen. That is the good news. Uh, I appreciate it. Jack and Alan, thank you very much. This was a whole lot of fun. I'm get, I don't know who this is. I'm probably flying Ryan. I'm going with the Chiefs as the owner of El Bandito Tequila uh, played for the Chiefs. That's kind of cool. But, you know, Fletcher Cox is a drag racer and he's playing for the Eagles. Like we got drag racing ties all over the place. But what were you going to say about the belt there, Jack? I do love the belt. This belt. No, I was just going to say you two are the champions, but here's what we know about <laughs> picks. We don't take the sentimental picks, boys. We take the picks that are going to make us a few bucks in Vegas. So Chiefs is where you need to be, unfortunately. All right. Well, we're going to remember this. And the good news is we will have the results very, very soon. And uh, you will you will be if you are accurate, you will be uh, heralded on this show. We will make you a superstar for your great pick. And everybody has the right. Like, you know, Jack just gave you the I don't know what the over under is, but he gave you a total. And so you've got it right there. Get out there and uh, plunge, guys. Plunge. All right, gentlemen. Thank you very much. See you. Good to guys. see you, Jack. Great to start the season and see both of you. So, uh, Gainesville is going to be awesome. Like you said, I went to school there. I believe the best market for NHRA drag racing. They got posters of Kenny Bernstein up on the wall at every restaurant, every bar. I just believe more than anywhere, and there's great markets in all of NHRA, but more than anywhere, Gainesville just loves their drag racing. Packed. Absolute fact. Thank you, Jack. Thank you, Alan. Appreciate it. Jack from Cycle Drag, of course. Way to go, Jack. Alan, thank you so much. Good to see you, Joe. We will uh, chat again next week. Just like that. Way to go. Alan, we're all becoming Alan Reinhardt. I think that's kind of an interesting way to go. Not there are worse things than that. Certainly, the guy has uh, created a very successful life where he has got a barracuda. What do I got? How about that? What a show. What a show. Yeah, I know. You guys are mad at me. You're all mad because the big ruse that I was 50 and now the truth is out. I'm only 34. Hey guys, you know, I like ageism, right? I was trying to use it to my advantage, make people feel like I was a little more mature than I actually am. Maybe I had some more experience than I actually do, but now Jack has outed me and I've just gone. So the reality is 
I'm only 34. So there you go. Deal with it. Last week, I joked about being 42. But Jack had to go and tell you the real deal that I am 34. So there you go. We're going to go with that. All right. Get your comments in the comment section, guys. Like, what do you want to say? Don't worry, Earl Nichols. I'll get to your comment. We got a couple of them out there. I want to remind everybody about the Garlitz deal. Garlitz is going to have the Flathead Dragster, Swamp Rat, Swamp Rat 1, 6B, 13, 14, and 22 all out there at Gainesville Raceway. How cool is that? Also a reminder to everybody that's watching, WFO Radio TV on YouTube. Like, we need you to subscribe and click that bell, baby. Click the bell. So you never miss one. We're closing in on a milestone like this, the 1,000 and then the 2,000 and then 3,000. We're slow growing this thing as people are coming in and checking out the show. And if you don't have a preferred method of viewing, use that one. WFO Radio TV. Thank you, Stevie Fast, for that bit of a note. Let me tell you about the people who make it possible. Like, literally, I can't do this without these folks. Marvin Rodak and RodaksCoffeeAndGrills.com. This guy was one of our first sponsors. I think Frank Hawley was first and Rodax was second in terms of weekly sponsorship that keep the show going. This man roasts coffee fresh per your order. He is a great person. He is a drag racer. They do grills and tools and tips and information. They're down there in Fort Worth, Texas, frozen in. Give them a call. 817-924-6821. Call Marvin. Tell him you heard about it on WFO Radio and order the WFO Radio blend of coffee and something else, the Haitian Blue Mountain coffee or, you know, talk to him about it. That's part of the Rodax experience. It's not like I've got a friend. It's like, why can't I order online? Because you're missing the Rodax experience. The Rodax experience is you talk to Marvin and you learn about coffee and you get a little next level education. It's a, it's a customer service. It's a benefit, not an inconvenience. RodaxCoffeeAndGrills.com. Frank Hawley's Drag Racing School, of course, the Dragster Adventure. Everybody has been, they've been working out down there, Gainesville Raceway, working out. McGay Hayes are going through. Everybody's going through. They're getting their license. They're getting up to speed. Who's going to run Super Comp this year? Who's going to do what? Bottom line, Frank is the man when it comes to this. So if you just do the Dragster Adventure, you're still going to learn some of what it takes to be one of the greatest drivers of all time and how to think about being successful. Uh, the Dragster Adventure is what I promote because most of our listeners are not trying to become super comp world champions or get their super gas license. You're certainly able to do that at Frank Hawley's, but go drive dragsters for the day with your friends who don't understand your passion for drag racing. And you'll bring them right into it. Oh my gosh, this is what it's all about. Oh, I love it. I'm going to come to the races with you. FrankHawley.com, tell him you heard about it on WFO Radio. SamTech.edu. They're approved to train veterans under the GI Bill. You know that machinists and the people with that knowledge are vital to the future of our country. They're vital. You go back and look at all the uh, you know terrible armed conflicts of the past, and why were we, the United States of America, uh, able to be successful. And along the way, it had something to do with manufacturing and machining. We need qualified, intelligent, smart people who know how to make real things. It's not just punching in some numbers into a computer. 
And that's what Sam Tech is and does. And it's a skill that you'll always have and you'll never lose. And you can take it anywhere. SamTech.edu. They're approved to train veterans under the GI Bill. They've got engine block programs and CNC programs and motorsport EFI tuning. Call Brian Massengill. Tell him you heard it on WFO Radio. Everybody knows Bernie Speed Shop right before the Gator Nationals Wednesday night. Open house. I'm going to be there. My full intention is to be there. And they're going to have food and fun and music and fireworks. But you're going to get to see Bernie's. Go to the website, B-U-R-N-Y-Z-Z.com. Josh Hart and Britt just, they adopted a little boy. Super cool. So the family has grown. The junior dragsters are on order. Bernie's.com. Follow their social media. Uh, they do a great job. Just go shopping in their inventory. Phillips Connect. This is one smart trailer technology. If you are out there and you've got a fleet of trucks, you're interested, I ask you to reach out to me first because I'm going to put you with the right people. Joe at WFORadio.com. If you want to learn why Phillips Connect is better, if you want to connect with Smart Trailer Technology, go to phillips-connect.com and then send me that email, joe at wforadio.com. Looking at the sides of race cars at the Division II race, FTI performance transmissions and torque converters all over the place. They're in DeLand, Florida. Power glides, three speeds, pro mod, top sportsman, top dragster, big power, monster trucks, mega trucks. That's bigger than a monster truck. Like, what's a mega truck? bigger than a monster truck. What does it do? It crushes things. But they've got a lot of horsepower and a lot of weight, so they need a really strong transmission. And that's what FTI is all about. But it's not just about dot .90 racing and bracket racing. It's about the shift kit and your Turbo 350 for your Camaro. They do all of that, and they apply all the intelligence and knowledge and information that they've learned on the racetrack to your car. Check them out, FTI Performance Transmissions and Torque Converters. Of course, always tell everybody you heard it on WFO, that guy. He drove me here. He told me I had to come. And fog it. This is one that everybody can have. It's, it kind of works in the machine shop. Like what has happened is Gary Stinnett and Steve Williams have partnered to create this product. It comes in this fantastic can. And its primary function is to protect the inside of your high-performance racing engine. That is primary function number one, the prime directive. The end of a day of racing, it should be part of your routine to fog it down and spray it into the carburetor while rolling over the starter. So it goes through the cylinder walls. There are videos up on YouTube. They've got a YouTube channel. You should all go follow it. But as is the case with industrious Americans, they're finding all kinds of stuff to use this stuff for. Firearms, of course, the machine shop guys are using it while machining. It is a great product that is affordably priced. You should go to fogit.com. You can get there from our website, wforadio.com, and you can see all the different things that you can put this to use for. Obviously, protecting your racing engine is number one because you've got total seal piston rings and you want them to last and you want that great ring seal that you're getting because of your very precise engine hone that you got uh, from all the different episodes of Hidden Horsepower you've been watching to last forever. And that's how you do it. TotalSeal.com, new episodes of Hidden Horsepower are going to drop later on this week. Uh, ben Strader from EFI University. They've got a class that they are promoting, competition engine building. 
out there at EFI University in Lake Havasu, Arizona. And uh, we spend a lot of time talking about it on the episode. And you get to see some of the very interesting things that they do. Now, it is going to be an audio episode, but the audio people are going to get seven-eighths of the information. The people who watch on the YouTube page, they're going to get eight-eighths, 100%. The combustion loop, using combustion sensors to find out exactly how precise and how much uh, power is coming out of each cylinder. Just amazing stuff, the technology that is available. And this is what Total Seal is using and sharing to become an industry leader. That is why they are in stock eliminator all the way up to Formula One. How about Ford going to Formula One? What'd you guys think of that? Like, that was big news. We talked about it on the Ignition podcast, which hopefully you check that out. Thank you, Total Seal. Appreciate you guys. If you want WFO stickers for free, if you want stickers for free, they look like this. I will send them to you. You got to make my job easy. You take an envelope and you write your address on it and you put a stamp on it. And you take that envelope and you stuff it in another envelope. And you put this address on it, Castello Media slash WFO stickers, P.O. Box 848-353, Pembroke Pines, Florida, 33084. And then I will get your letter, your envelope. I'll open it up, find the other envelope that has already been completed by you. And I will stick the stickers in there. Typically, I send four of them. Seal it up. You've already stamped it. So it doesn't take me any work and it doesn't cost me anything. But I send you the stickers. And then I put it in the mailbox. It's a great system. It's called a self-addressed stamped envelope. And it was big back in the 1970s, man. Every commercial, send a self-addressed stamped envelope to 848-353, Pembroke Pines, Florida, 33084, Palo Alto, California, 81009. I think that's the real uh, zip code. Hopefully I didn't confuse anybody, but I do on a regular basis anyway. I want to mention, hear it from Heiner. We've got some good stuff going on on this show. We've got, where did I, I, I unloaded the visual. Doesn't matter. Michael Heiner is answering questions from WFO Patreons later today. That's right. The Patreon VIP listener club. What do they get? They get to know all the secret behind the scenes stuff. Do you like the show? Do you think we're doing a good job? Do you want to support us? Do you want to kick some bucks our way so that we can pay for our internet? Which was very expensive this month, by the way. I think I'll be making a call. Later on, like, hey, too much. But in the meantime, patreon.com slash WFO radio. You get the Monday morning motivation. You get to participate and direct the show on ignition and watch the taping session. You get to ask questions from a real race winning pro stock crew chief. Hear it from Michael Heiner. And once the season starts, a bunch of other stuff. And if you join for a year, a season pass, not only do you get WFO decals, a pin, a patch, but I will send you a t-shirt as well. Please include your t-shirt size. If you join for the year, yeah, sign up, join us, become one of us, become one of us. And uh, generally we have merch. The merch stuff goes on sale every once in a while. All right, guys, I've been stalling for you to put your comments in the comment section. I will tell you, Gary Stinnett, has received the engine. So Project Pontiac is ongoing. I'm very excited about what we've got going on. A friend of mine ran Super Street at the Orlando Divisional Race this past weekend. I'm going to tell you guys this story. He's a lifelong friend, like literally lifelong friend. We figured it out. We were on the same T-ball team when we were five. 
It's a long time. Five years old. That means like I've known him for 29 years, guys. Think about that. 29 years. Wow. That's a long time. 29 years because we met on our T-ball team when we were five. And so my buddy, you know, Palm Beach International Raceway is not open right now. He's looking for something to do. A bunch of South Florida racers or former South Florida racers decided to run the divisional schedule in the NHR, which is great. So he came out to run Super Street with another South Florida friend and they pitted together and they hung out together and they looked at their throttle stops together and they did all of that stuff together. And then they pulled through the lanes together and then they had to race together first round. It was one of those shake your head kind of moments. We have to laugh, right? Like, ooh, that didn't go as planned. But they got the bug. Jason already has won a race in Super Street. My friend Corey, uh, I think he's got the bug. He loved it. The throttle stop stuff. It was so much fun. The Orlando Divisional. Wow, what a what a thing. We had so much fun. It was great. There were heroes there that did heroic stuff over the course of the weekend. I want to acknowledge them as best as I can without going into all kinds of detail. But we had a great time and my energy to take the 78 Pontiac Trans Am that my dad bought brand new in 1978, the car that drove me to kindergarten that we then turned into a race car, all steel. It has been the centerfold of popular hot roddings, 25th anniversary of the Trans Am edition can be resurrected not only as a bracket car, but as an NHRA super street caliber race machine. And so that someday in the future, maybe perhaps I could be out there at Orlando speed world racing super street. In addition to announcing, by the way, I don't want to give that up. And maybe the Gator nationals one day who knows, but that is the plan. That is our plan. All right, let's see what people got to say. Zach says, Joe, what's your rating of John the Baker pizza? You know, we got one right down the street. Um, back when I was on the Neil Rogers show, uh, John the Baker would bring them in all the time. I felt like it was, it was good. It was good. Positive. My rating for John the Baker is positive. How about that? To be fair, I haven't had John the Baker in a long, long time, and I need to do a, uh, a re-up on my uh, checking it out. That's not going to happen right now because I'm avoiding all carbs. I'm avoiding, you know, when you hit 34, guys, you know, it starts to starts to come on. You got to do some stuff. But way to go, Zach. Zach, what are you around here somewhere? You go to the one on Davy Road Extension? That's the new one, John the Baker. All right, let's see. Royale Lee, great job calling Division Two. Watch the show right here. Great to season started with some great racing. Uh, totally agree. We had a great time. Fast cars, quick cars, decent comp feel. It was great to see Wes Leopold win his first race. That car was carrying the wheels big time. We're going to talk with Roger Brogdon about the craziness that he's going, he's got going on in the in D4. The comp eliminator is coming back big time. And I plan to be right in the middle of it. Bobby Graham. Hey, peeps, like and share the show. It's not too late. That's true. He's right, guys. We do not have a big marketing plan for WFO radio. Like every nickel, we put it right back into the show somehow, some way. But when you share the show and tell your friends and rock the stickers and rock the shirts, it helps. It helps us. And I like to think it helps NHRA drag racing and its racers. Jeff uh, Bonifield, fog it for your guns and machines. Oh, yeah. Everyone here uh, know that already. Well, don't say that, Jeff. 
because then they won't need me. Everybody does not know it already, Jeff. They need to learn about Foggett on WFO. That's in a way, <laughs> that's what needs to happen. But I get your point. And yes, everybody's using it for different stuff. Thank you, Joe, for always keeping us in the know. I try to do my best. So you're trying to be the next Greek. How old is WFO Joe? No, Ricky, we're not. Jack just told you. And Antron is 32. Isn't Antron 32? I believe that Antron is 32. Yeah, Monica says, went from 42 to 34. That's what Jack says. I'm going to not like this guy's going to come on my show and lie. He's telling everybody the truth stuff. He outed me. And what's this? I'm nowhere nearby. Dave Portnoy from Barstool Sports was in the area, and he said it was good. Wow. Are you kidding? John the Baker getting shout-outs on Barstool Sports? That's very good. That's what happens, man. We got celebs all around. 78 Trans Am going to Kidney Garden. We do not have a big marketing plan. Yeah. No, we do not have a big marketing plan. Little tiny marketing plan. But we're trying our best. It's about grit and determination. It's about fighting that fight, baby. You get out there, like John Force says, and you fight the fight. And you try your best. And you bring it every day 110. Except for tomorrow. Because we're not going to be on. But on Thursday, and this is one that I need everybody to get in on this. Everybody. I want the biggest audience in the history of WFO. Is that possible? I think it is. Erica Anders. Five-time Camping World Series Pro Stock World Champion. Going for six. Erica Anders. Going to be on the show. We're going to be a, a full debrief on the championship on the plans for 2023, on her life, on her career, on what's going on. We're going to speak with Erica. Folks from Flow Sports are like doing stuff with Erica. She's going to be on the air. Erica Enders, Thursday, 12 noon. So don't miss us. But I will tell you this also. Next week, not, yeah, next week, the 15th, 12 noon, Wednesday. Big Daddy Don Garlitz. The International Drag Racing Hall of Fame induction pre-show. Vinny and Richard Knapp, Bob Fry, Linda Jones, John Force, Bunny Burkett, Shelly Anderson, and more. They're all going to be inducted. And Garlitz is going to be on this show right here, talking about each one of them, talking about the Garlitz land up there at Gainesville Raceway, and hanging out with me. And if you want to go to the International Drag Racing Hall of Fame induction ceremony, you know, I'm hearing it's just about sold out. You might be able to get a ticket from Chuck if you call the museum right now. But it's, it's looking pretty sold out, guys. WFO Radio is going to make it possible for one lucky listener with his plus one to join us at the WFO Radio table for the International Drag Racing Hall of Fame induction ceremony to watch John Force get inducted the one and only time in the history of the world. Better better watch. Better listen. Don't miss it. Just saying. WFO. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Jack. Thanks, Alan.